Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Unbound and Rewound podcast, a horror podcast where we take a look at every horror book and movie to dig deeper into their bone-chilling anatomy. I am Avery, your book and movie-loving host, and this week I come to you with the very last episode of season three, Can I Get a Whoop Whoop? And I come to you with a book, not a movie this week. This week is for my bibliophiles and cinephiles alike, if you do tend to merge between the two. But if you tend to be more of a horror movie watcher, stick around and give it a listen because I think this book that I'm talking about this week has a little something in store for everyone, especially if you consider yourself other. Now, I'll get into what that means in a little bit, but first, let's talk about it. What are we streaming? What are we watching? What are we reading? I finished Swarm, which was on Prime Video, if you listened to last week's episode. I talked about it a little bit there, and it's directed by Childish Gambino. The ending was absolutely insane. I'm still so confused. Even looking up the defi- or like the meaning of what the last episode meant and how it wrapped up, it did not give you any clues as to what you just watched. So it was good, don't get me wrong, but I do feel like it could have wrapped up a little bit better. The Servant on Apple TV, uh, it is directed, created by M. Night Shyamalan, and it's a really good show. I am behind. I The fourth season just came out, but I'm still on season one. So uh, I'll keep you all updated on how that's going, but... So far, so good. I mean, it's M. Night Shyamalan, so you know that there's a bunch of twists, a lot of darkness, and that's all you can really ask for from one of his creations. Renfield is coming out in two weeks, I believe. I already have my ticket for it, so you can find that review when it's ready on my Instagram. Other than that, oh, and Evil Dead. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I forgot about Evil Dead. That comes out next month as well. You can also find that review on my Instagram, which if you're not already following, you can take the time to do that right now at Your Horror Podcast. That is also the same as my Twitter, Your Horror Podcast. My TikTok is the Unbound Rewound Podcast. You can also check me out on Etsy, get yourself some stickers or a cute bookmark. I also uploaded black tote bags. I have been told that there's not enough black tote bags in the world, so let me be that supplier. Let me give the people what they want. This is a horror podcast after all, so I feel like black is just fitting. You can find that all on my Etsy shop, Your Horror Merch. Let's get on with the show. Alright, this week I bring you a queer horror book. I feel like... For one, I don't cover enough queer media on this podcast, which is such a shame. I do plan on bringing more to the table, trust me. Um, But in terms of books, I just haven't, like, I have so many in my TBR. I have them in my possession, but I have yet to read them. I have been reading all kinds of other things. Actually, no. I read two queer horror books. One of them was a young adult. The other was an adult book. Both of them were kind of a letdown. 
I posted about them on my Instagram, so if you are interested in seeing what I thought about those, you can find them there. One of them was called, I think it was like Those Pretty Things or All the Pretty Things or something like that. The other one is All the Dead Lie Down. And don't get me wrong, I liked them. They were they were horror, for sure. They were more gothic. They were more like gothic than horror. But the adult queer, like it was like a gothic queer romance horror book. The romance where where was it i don't know i didn't see it the book that i'm covering this week is called other terrors by vince a leagano and rena mason i do hope that's how you pronounce those names and it is an inclusive anthology this book stuck out to me one because of the cover art it was so pretty so cool but also the fact that it is an anthology and I haven't read an anthology in so long. I, I always watch them because I like to watch them, but I haven't read an anthology in a really long time. And something that I like about anthology books is the fact that whether it's allowed or not, you can jump around and you can read whichever stories you like because none of them connect. So that's that's not exactly what I did, but there were a few that I just could not they just could not grasp my attention the way I wanted them to, so I skipped them. Sue me. This anthology showcases authors from underrepresented backgrounds telling terrifying tales of what it means to be or merely to seem other. And I've talked about the otherness, quote-unquote, in horror before, how horror pretty much was built off of the foundation of this idea of otherness, something that is not like the normalities, right? I've talked about it in my Black Horror episode and uh, a little bit here and there in just different other episodes. So I'm really excited because I think like this episode I'll really get to dive a lot deeper into it and I'll also get to dive a little bit deeper into it next season because the entire month of June is gonna be all queer horror so i hope you are ready i hope you are buckled in and strapped up because this summer is gonna be one that you do not want to miss but i had a lot of great expectations for this book something that i didn't expect was just how broad of the inclusivity would be included you know when a lot of companies or organizations or people talk about inclusivity they often i i think that in our society now that inclusivity has become such an on-demand concept inclusivity doesn't always mean 100 percent inclusive to everybody and everything and so with this book i was kind of expecting that um, of course you know it would probably i expected more queerness more so than like people of color and um and some of and like like gender differences and stuff like that not saying that i didn't want to see that because i loved what i saw but i expected it to be more just geared towards the lgbtqia plus community but what i did expect was to pick up on some classic horror inspirations throughout the stories I will say, disclaimer, I still have not finished the entire book. I know, what a shame, like, boo. But this book is 368 pages, but like on the app that I read it on, 
it literally says that it's 700 pages so i'm a little intimidated <laughs> and i haven't been able to finish all of it but i just think that if i had tried to finish this book before i did this podcast episode i would not have been able to select which stories i was going to talk about i have trouble making decisions especially when i have so many options to decide from and even just picking the the small ones that i did i'm i'm not even halfway through the book you all or maybe i am actually and i still had difficulty picking which stories i was going to talk about on this episode so i think i probably saved myself from not finishing the entire book but i will be posting a like full scale review of the entire book on my instagram when i finish it so keep an eye out for that and of course on my goodreads too i'll post a review but the stories that i did choose to talk about and that i have read in this book i did see very very small hints um, of classic horror inspiration and i'll get into those in a little bit my overall likes for the book though I like how these stories unravel deep and systemic issues that each minority faces. Like I said before, I didn't expect for it to explore all underrepresented groups in society. I know the thing I know that it says that, but I was I didn't think that the focus would be so equally spread, I guess is what I'm is what I'm trying to say. But the fact that there are so many stories about women, gay men, trans people, people of color, and many others, and yet each story is so different, it really goes to show that the experience of everyone considered quote-unquote other is non-linear or a monolith. There's a little something for everyone in this book. You have your creature features and your elevated horror. Uh, you have gore and you have plain just anxiety and discomfort. Perhaps it's a bad thing, but anthologies give you the opportunity to flip through a book and find what's meant for you, and this one is no different, and so I think that's why I, this is such a good book to cover, because it does go to show that there are so many different forms of um, underrepresentation, so many different people who face oppression because of their quote-unquote otherness, with every story being different there are so many stories in here about women problems that women face but each story is so different and it was really interesting to see how they were able to communicate the themes and messaging within the stories uh, but each in their own unique way my overall dislike though which i only really had one was was about the structuring more so than any of the stories because it is an anthology it's hard to critique the entire book as a whole um but i do think that the structuring could have been a little bit better i do wish that the book was a bit more structured based on the subject of each story there were some stories that lacked clarity and while i don't want the details to be spoon-fed to me i do think that grouping them into smaller collections within the book based on common themes would help to create more cohesion in this book you'll read story you'll read one story about a trans woman the next story will be about a gay man who's a cop the next story will be about this woman who has a scar that she can't cut off and so it feels very flip-floppy at least to me personally and so i think having those smaller collections like not even necessarily like 
a collection called women, a collection called gay men, not even like that, obviously more creative, um, you know, and playing on words and stuff like that, but just a little bit more categorization so that I could better piece together the the stories that I was reading. And I'll talk about those specific stories that lacked clarity towards the end. I first wanted to discuss the strengths of this book uh, by looking at individual stories. I chose three stories based off of the strengths of this book. Three strengths that I focused on were metaphor, symbolism, and imagery. And so for metaphor, I chose a short story by Shauna Heath. It's called Misinfection USA. And when I tell you, when I first, when I just read the title, I was like, it's like a play on words for like, you know, Miss USA, Miss, you know, like a beauty pageant thing. What does the infection mean? You know, you'll never guess. I'll tell you that right now. So this story follows Miriam and Martha, two quote-unquote stiffs, in a world not fit for women. Even death doesn't provide a promise of peace from a man's world. Soon after death, young girls rise from the dead, humans turned stiffs. They fall to the bottom of the class system, and in order to avoid sex trafficking, they compete in horrific beauty competitions. The prize being a lab rat for doctors. This story really, at least like in the world that is being built by the author, you either choose, you choose one bad situation or another bad situation, but it's like the lesser of the two evils. In this story, it's explained that if you win this beauty competition, then you get the chance to meet the doctor who created this whole program of like the Misinfection USA beauty pageant. And then they can do a bunch of tests on you and you can keep all of your limbs. Whereas if you lose this competition, then you get thrown into a truck and then you're taken to a brothel where men just do whatever they want with you until you're just like a pile of nothing. They, you know, like cremate you and then your ashes get turned into lube for men. It's a very dark story, but I also, I think that the author recognizes that. And so she positions it in a way that like you can see how dark and demented it is, but it never crosses that line of like, I, like I can no longer read this. In the story, she talks about sexual violence without ever saying the specific R word. Like, it says in parentheses, where you would put that word, it says, don't think about it. Like, that's that's what it's referred to. And so, the story handles the... The story handles that in a delicate manner, I would say, it's still very entertaining to consider that somebody was creative enough to come up with this entire concept. The metaphor in this story is so strong and literal. The government is literally called the patriarchy. I picked up on similar sentiments to Frankenstein because Frankenstein was, you know, 
tested on and put he was literally made by a man for several different reasons which i don't want to touch on it too much here because i do want to take the time to talk about it more in depth during my pride month episodes but you know if you're not familiar with it definitely look up frankenstein and queerness you'll find a bunch of results for it but this story takes that and diverts on a path exploring the way women's bodies are viewed as a commodity they also use religion to justify this phenomenon of young girls being zombified and to satisfy their greed by finding a way to use them instead of finding a cure like you're doing all these tests on these women and for what if you're doing all these tests you should be finding a cure and yet no you keep having these pageants and you keep sending women into brothels i also really really like the way that the story ends i think it's the perfect cherry to this metaphor martha as a way to up her chances at winning cuts off her head and replaces it with the head of virgin mary it's a whole thing but the head of a virgin mary statue came off and like she has just kept it with her because it reminds her of her mother and so this choice is an extreme one but it elaborates on how women often make drastic decisions that are fueled by their survival instincts I also think the Virgin Mary symbolism in this story is useful for emphasizing the religious subtexts with a subtle art protest. Virgin Mary is often used as a symbol for purity and motherhood. Miriam and Martha's mother would constantly push the belief of Jesus onto her children. However, in a world where men make decisions and have authority over women, is it really that easy to believe a male spiritual figure? has our best interests in mind whenever martha would be like oh jesus is a man miriam would be like i mean have you really seen him how do you know and both miriam and martha whenever their parents were still alive would often question jesus's existence in terms of you know like oh how do you know he's white how do you know he's not black and their mother would just kind of answer saying like you know well we're white so that just and we come from jesus so that just makes me think that that jesus has to be white a lot of rationality to their belief system i liked that this was the ending because it literally just ended there she won the competition obviously um but sometimes in other books and i know that there are certain cultures that will celebrate the virgin mary more than anything more than god himself or jesus himself and there are some books where the character will praise the virgin mary instead of jesus and it's considered blasphemous that's why i say it kind of feels like a a form of art protest because in this world where everyone is religious and seeks to jesus who's a man the government literally being called the patriarchy and then to carry this you know like religious symbol of his mother instead just kind of feels kind of feels like like she's trying to say something to us (laughs) and i also think with the virgin mary being a symbol for purity and motherhood and maybe this is just me reading into it a little bit too much but i do think that martha is using it as a way of communicating like we are all young women young girls 
we are you know pure but we also have this gift we have this power you all are not seeing us for who we truly are you're not appreciating how we show up in the world just literally using them for a commodity i this was maybe one of my favorite stories in the book so far so far Moving on to the next strength of this book is symbolism, and the best story to represent that was Night Shopper by Michael H. Hansen. This story follows Scothy, a trans Muslim woman who is an Instacart deliverer, as she travels through the night to deliver odd requests to her night clients. Each client she visits proves to be a creature of the night, literally. When Scothy becomes the victim of a hate crime, it's her night clients who come to protect her. And so, as I was saying earlier, uh, because otherness and horror has always symbolized queerness, this story symbolizes the queer community embracing and protecting their own. Scothy has only recently transitioned, and she recalls how her regular clients have begun to act differently around her. It's her night clients who only further embrace her. When they appear to defend her against the teenage boys and kill them, they explain that she is one of them to everyone else. People categorize her as other, just like the creatures of the night, because she represents something that they will never understand. I also like how Scothy is this character who doesn't quite accept her differences completely. She keeps tabs on different trans violence um, around her. So she's aware of that and she, you know, knows to be cautious of it. When the creatures of the night kill the boys, she looks at them as monsters. She reprimands them for killing the boys, but they explain to her how the boys would have killed her and anyone else who recognizes her differences as that of being other would have done the same. And so this grouping of her and the others together as a unit kind of changes her perspective a little bit. It was nice to see this character evolution. The symbolism is further supported by the use of music in this story. I know you're probably thinking music in a story, but trust me, it exists. It's used as a transition from scene to scene, but each song is one about womanhood or queerness or being other. Uh, for example, Pearl of a Girl by Christine Young or The Otherness by Motor Psycho. I actually have never heard these songs. I don't think there's a single song in this story that I've ever heard of. <laughs> but I looked up the lyrics to each one. And so I'll read you a little bit. A little bit of them. Pearl of a Girl by Christine Young. The like first verse goes, I never knew I was a girl until they stooped to tell me. I never knew I was disturbed until they dropped three volumes on me. But in the Bible, Torah, Quran, there are really no good roles for me except concubine and washwoman. And it just kind of like, it continues to go on. It's kind of like a very terrifying ode to womanhood and girlhood. <laughs> and then for The Otherness by Motorcycle, the lyrics for that is... Bringing this otherness, opening the door to some other place that I've not known before, blurred around the edges, stripped to the core, the fantasy, the fantasy just can't sustain it no more. 
stuck in this otherness that's opened the door to some other place that I've not known before, thrown out of sync with some old acid head, awoken from dreams to find nightmares instead. Now, I don't know about you, but it kind of sounds very similar to the story that we were just talking about with uh, Scaffy. I felt like the use of music in this story helped with the pacing, but it also added a layer to the subtext of the story as well. The third strength of this book was imagery, and the story that best represented that was The Turning by Haley Piper. This story follows Chrissy, a teen girl who is experiencing, quote-unquote, the turn. She had watched other teens around her suddenly drop out of school and eventually off the face of the earth. She heard the rumors, and now her body is slowly morphing into a pterodactyl. It sounds insane. Stay with me. Her parents just want to find a cure, but they grow distant with discomfort. The only solace she finds is in an online chat server with other kids experiencing the same thing. Their solidarity proves to be strong when her parents try to poison her and the flock of teen dinosaurs come to her rescue. When I read this story... I immediately knew that this was one that I was going to talk about because of just how strong in not only imagery, but also in its allegory as well, I knew it had to be talked about. And so the story has a lot of strengths, but its biggest being imagery. It's very far from reality, obviously. I know when you probably heard me say that she's turning into a pterodactyl, like, it just seems so unserious, you know, whereas other stories in this book contain subject matter that is very close to home for some. However, that's why imagery had to be an important device for this storytelling. But I also think something like the way that Haley Piper wrote this story, I, I always think it's fun to read stories like this that's how the otherness in horror was created. Um, You had all these different creatures in classic horror films and stories representing this other population um, that faced homophobia, transphobia, racism, xenophobia, and the list goes on. But that's why imagery had to be an important device for this storytelling. The way the author described every inch of Chrissy's turning body and the changing environment around her was deeply immersive. I think it even helped to communicate some of the characters' emotions too without outwardly saying this girl is depressed, this girl is feeling alone. Um, and it was it was honestly a, kind of a sad read. Like, I was feeling so bad for her. The allegory in this story is brilliant. You realize you're reading a story about a teen who's presenting their queerness to a family that doesn't accept them. Instead, they see it as an illness along with the rest of society. This story, as a way of, you know, world building, talks about how they don't know how it started. Uh, They thought it was maybe a curse. You know, some people have made lore around it because of how Americans just love well not necessarily americans how a certain group of people like to just dig up random bones and artifacts and things that they usually have no business digging up um so they thought it was a curse or they thought it was some sort of illness and they think it's something like 
they want to stay as far away from it as possible. Along with this, there's also a smaller part to this allegory or an extension of this allegory that follows Chrissy as she is building this online community. Oftentimes, now more than in the past, teens are able to find an online community and build relationships that offer them the acceptance their family and real-life friends don't. Watching Chrissy slowly realize this and acknowledge how it has improved her confidence made this a heartwarming story by the end. Even though all those little pterodactyl teens came to attack her parents and kill her parents, I was happy for her. Like, I... I found myself like cheering her on, cheering all of them on. I just, yeah, I loved this story so much, which is very surprising. I typically don't do creature feature types of books or movies because sometimes they just feel so unserious. But this short story might have changed my mind on that. You know, I don't, I don't know. The verdict's still out, but we'll see. In terms of the book's weaknesses, the biggest one that I found was a lack of clarity, whether that was like a lack of world building or character building. Uh, the three stories that I chose for this specific weakness all just left me kind of uninterested or confused. The first story that I want to talk about is Scrape by Denise DeMars. The protagonist was either Chinese or Japanese, but she was a lesbian woman who dated, perhaps married, a Mexican woman, and then during the pandemic, they were experiencing so much racism, particularly the protagonist, because coronavirus and Chinese people were just, like, experiencing so many hate crimes, and so they moved to Mexico, but in Mexico... The main character, it's not like racism just went away, but it got a little bit more um, tolerable, I guess. She realizes that there is like this piece of skin on her forearm that's just like growing, almost like a cancer lump, but the doctors would tell her that it wasn't cancer and it also wasn't deadly either. She just didn't know what it was. So then she ended up going to like a more holistic kind of doctor who explained to her that it was very valuable ingredient almost to a lot of holistic black magic type of stuff. It was very hard to get through because it felt like I think that if this story were a full story or maybe just a little bit longer than what it really was. I think the author might have had more space to build out this world than what they did have. That was the biggest thing. It just kind of felt like there was so much information trying to be crammed into this short story that it was a little overwhelming to take in all of these details all at once because in the story you're introduced to Mexican culture and also um, Asian culture this other you know like type of just like religious culture I really wanted to be interested in it but I think I think the story just needed to be longer maybe dedicate a whole book to it I would probably read it if it were a whole book 
just a short story there were too many details to try to fit into the other story that kind of lacked clarity was turn the unturning tide by Anne Neugbauer I hope that's how you pronounce that this story was about a pregnant woman who goes to a swim class one afternoon and she goes like I don't think it's every afternoon but maybe like once a week two times a week whatever and she's usually surrounded by like older women and their like aerobics coach is typically a woman but this particular day it's a man and the subtext of this story is very very cultish I guess the protagonist acts as this outsider she's literally standing like in a corner of the pool just watching all the other women and she recalls just how they all move and laugh and talk and you know turn at the same exact time it ends up going to a very witchy direction like the women in the pool urged the male lifeguard to eat a tarantula that was found in the pool first of all why was there a tarantula in the pool i don't know um but they scoop it out and then they urge him to eat it so he takes it over to the bush tries to like you know let it go and put it out but then he turns around and i think that he actually does eat the tarantula i don't i don't remember the ending but like that's exactly where it ended was like the protagonist was disgusted and all of the women were like cackling and just like like it was very very seancey that's how i read it which i thought it was cool like i enjoyed the vibes (laughs) i liked the vibes of the story but by the end i didn't really understand what was what the author was trying to communicate i was like is is this about like womanhood is it about i i didn't understand i mean i understood that it was it had something to do with womanhood versus you know men and at first i thought it was going to be about like about pregnancy because the protagonist is pregnant and like i thought she was going to do something crazy just by the way she was talking and like acting i thought she was going to be the weird one um she was the only one who was pregnant at the pool everyone else seemed to be older so maybe it had to do with like being a younger woman in a crowd of older women i don't know i have no idea i think i'll have to like read it again and try to figure it out but the other story um the like the third story that just i did i yeah (laughs) it's called help i'm a cop by nathan carson first of all when I read this this title I did not know what I was in for because I was like if this is a story is this supposed to be an inclusive anthology story why do we have a story about a cop that's the first thing but then I started reading on and I began to understand although by the end I was still a little confused it was, it was another one of those situations where there were so many details trying to be crammed into one short story that all the information was just a little overwhelming to take in. But also, by the end, it doesn't feel like it was tied up neatly. And I'm not saying open-ended stories are bad, 
because I love open-ended stories. I love a cliffhanger. But that's not even what this was. I think that it was trying to portray a hallucination. From what I gathered from the story, the protagonist is a cop. And there were rumors that a bunch of kids were going to get together in these woods and have a rave. And so he was sent, or they were sent, to scope it out and, you know, break it up if it was going on. Well, when they got there, they didn't see anything going on. But they did see like an apple tree and so they went they went to pick an apple but it fell off so then they went to go pick up the apple and then like a viper jumped out and i guess it bit them and so then from there like then there are a bunch of kids around and it's on halloween too so then there are a bunch of kids around and they're like dressed up it seems like they're gonna be sacrificed Uh, There's like ritualistic stuff going on, but it's chronological pattern of the story that I think makes it the most confusing because you start off by this person getting beat up and peed on by these random kids and, you know, they just like keep coming in and out of consciousness or whenever they go out of consciousness, then you learn more about like their childhood and that was the most interesting part of the story because learning about their childhood gave you context as to like who this person was and the struggles that they felt and really all in all the story was about this gay man who was constantly redirected from the person that he wanted to truly be he was assaulted by his gym teacher because his gym teacher thought that he was gay his dad kept forcing these straight gender conforming expectations on him and so that's why he became a police officer and he and and he dates women but like when he was 12 he had a best friend who he loved more than just a friend but he was separated from that friend and then you know so then he goes on social media and he sees that that friend is now married to a man and they have kids and so he just has all of these regrets of not truly being the person that he wants to be you know he blames his dad a lot for his life choices he became a cop because of his from what he says his quote-unquote dad's pride um and how his dad's pride ruined a lot of things in his life a lot of life decisions that he could have made and so he just feels he's not living the life that he wanted to be living And it it is a sad story, but I, towards the end, because of the timeline being, you know, like, non-linear, and I think the way that the hallucination, at least what I think is, was supposed to be a hallucination, uh, it was not, like, structured very well or introduced very well, so it was just very, by the time that I reached the end of the story, it was really hard to understand where the story ended exactly those are the only you know that's the one of the weaknesses that i picked up on the book so far because i'm only halfway through was the lack of clarity um of course um in the beginning of this episode i did talk about the um one of my like overall dislikes was just like the lack of structure as well so that's another thing too but i mean all in all i do think that this book is worth a read it's one of those things that 
whether it's illegal or not, you can flip through, you can skip certain stories if you don't like them, you can pick them back up, whatever you wish, because you don't have to read them in order. Um, but there is something in here for everyone, whether you're a woman, a woman of color, a man of color, a trans man, a trans woman, part of the LGBTQIA plus community, like there is something in here for for everyone. And I do also, I really hope to see, now I'll talk about my expectations for like the rest of the book. <laughs> I do hope that there is representation for people with disabilities further in the story. I do think that there will be but I just haven't reached those stories yet. And I mean, maybe I have already read some too that I just didn't quite pick up on that kind of symbolism, but that's what I hope to see more. I do also hope to see more about the LGBTQIA plus community and for black women. Hello, black women. But yeah, so far I really do enjoy this book and I hope that you decide to pick it up too. I hope that I convinced you a little bit. I'll include the link uh, to this book so that you can, you know, look into it. If you want to buy it, you have easy access to buying it. If you do decide to give it a try and give it a read, definitely let me know what your thoughts are on it because I would love to know how you're liking it. If you don't like it, I mean, you know, an opinion is an opinion. <laughs> As I always say, I never want to like, I still think everybody should read or watch whatever they want, despite what my opinions are, despite what anybody else's opinions are. And, you know, I'm, I'm a bad movie and book sympathizer, more so, more so movie than book. If it's a bad book, I will not finish it. That's all I have for you all this episode. I do hope that you enjoyed what you heard. If you did, make sure that you give this podcast a rating, make it true, make it fair, make it honest. I want to know what you all think. Um, and of course, always make sure that you're following the podcast and subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to so that you can know when new episodes are posted. Um, they are posted every Thursday at 7 p.m. and that will not change when season four is up and loaded so yeah make sure that you are following me on the instagram twitter tiktok because the entire month of april i will be posting and posting and posting and i don't want you to miss out on that thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode and i will catch you in a month